Okay, let me do that again. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. If you're with, have been with us the last few weeks, we've been talking about your family, my family, and the future of our families. Hope you enjoyed last week's lesson. This week, we're going to talk about a common cause that we have in our family. And one thing in common that every family has is conflict. If you're married, you're with me 100% right now. If you're dating, you're halfway with me because you haven't really seen it yet. Wait till you get married. One thing we've all learned is that we don't win anything. There is no prize to win an argument with a family member. You can win in a courtroom. You can win in a boardroom. But you cannot win in your living room, the bedroom, the kitchen. You win nothing. There's no prize to win the argument. So relationally speaking, the best defense is no defense. But we don't handle all we don't handle conflict all the same way. But we all have it. Let me give you a few examples. In some families, we have the sulkers. Come dig me out of my hole and start by apologizing. We have the screamer, can you hear me now? That wasn't yelling. This is yelling. Earlier was a fluctuation of tone. I will show you yelling. I'm a screamer, right? Pretenders? No, no, everything's fine. Everything's good. Everything's great. And later on, comes out. Then there's the peacemaker. No, 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 it's totally okay. It's totally okay. You know, actually, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's totally okay. Totally fine. Everything's great. And you have your litigators. They're always right. They always win the argument. The same was said about Adolf Hitler. He never lost an argument. Are you any one of these? Sometimes I'm a sulker. Karen's got to get me out of the garage. Sometimes I'm a screamer. Sometimes I'm a pretender. Sometimes I'm a peacemaker. And with my kids, most of the time I'm a litigator. I'm all of these. I don't know about you, but I'm all of these things. On any given day, I could be any of these things. And we have different responses, but there's really only one reason God gives us for conflict in our homes. And today, I'm going to try to coax the beast out of its lair so we can all take a good look at him and learn how to defeat it. Because you've got to get the beast out. You've got to get him out. To look at him, okay, okay, and then how can we defeat him? So to help me with this, I'm going to invite the brother of Jesus into the conversation this morning so we can find out, why do we fight? What's the reason why we fight with our families? This weekend, some of us in this room, we got into a fight with our family member. There was an argument. There was conflict. I had a conflict with my daughter this weekend. You know, she didn't drink enough water before the, before, the night before the soccer game, and she, she petered out in the game. And there was, a, there was, a, there was an argument. Well, I didn't know how much to drink. We told you how much to drink. It, it was just this argument, and there wasn't any budging. She wanted to win, and I wanted to win. No budging. The best defense is no defense. But I forgot that rule. 
But maybe God allowed me to go through it because He knows I was preaching. Whenever you're going to preach something, this happens. Always, Always happens. That's why ministers get judged more strictly. There's a reason. One of the reasons we struggle to resolve relational conflicts in our family is that we don't know why we fight and why we quarrel to begin with. To which someone you would say, Oh, yes, I do. Oh, I know why. He doesn't listen. His parents are always butting into our life. My roommate's so responsible. My boss is always stealing my ideas. My neighbor's yard is a mess. My kids are irresponsible. My wife can't add, only subtract. (laughs) So we blame. We blame. That's our go-to. That's our default. We blame. Do you know how many family problems have been resolved by placing blame? Zero. It's like, thanks, honey. Thanks for blaming me. I feel better now. I never say that. I usually go back to sulking. In my family, I've learned that, that ultimately everything is my fault. It takes a while for me to figure it out. How certain things are usually my fault. Sometimes I have to resort to, well, if I hadn't asked her on a date to begin with. I don't go back that far, though. It usually comes down to how I came across, what I said, the content of what I said, the message. What was I getting at? Was I getting to the point? And as long as I blame others, I'll always be unhappy. As long as you blame others for your unhappiness, you will always be unhappy. Imagine the letter H. Visualize this letter H for happiness. You place happiness in the hands of another person in someone you may not even like anymore. And we blame them. In James 4, he takes us to the heart of the relational struggle and unhappiness. Look at me in your Bibles in James chapter 4. I'm going to have it on the, on the slide still, but obviously, for some reason, this, the, 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 some of the words may be large and in charge. <laughs> James 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? You know you've been asking yourself that question. Why are we fighting anyway? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Your desires, your pleasures. There's an internal conflict that we cannot contain. Aren't you the problem? A battle that gets on them because it's inside of us. That's usually what what happens. You desire, but you do not have. We yearn, we long for something, and it goes unfulfilled. We want something, but we don't get it. We want something, but we do not. Not get it. Some of us, we just want a clean house. Yeah. And we do not get it. And oh boy, oh boy, do you leave a sock in the living room? Boy, oh boy. The house is not dusted. We want something. Some of us want, we just want a home 
cooked meal. We're tired of Popeye's chicken. We're tired of Kentucky Fried. We're tired of a Po Loco. We just want a home cooked meal where everyone's at the table. Why can't we do this? Right? So my son says, El Pollo Loco again? It's crazy. It's right. It's called the crazy chicken. You desire something, but we don't get it. That's what causes the conflict. You want something from your husband. You want something from your wife. And you don't get it. And so the, the beast comes out of his lair. I will get my way. <laughs> and we come stomping. Or we go sulking to get our way. Or we start screaming. Or we start litigating to get our way. So James says, you don't get it, so you kill. Maybe not physically. But with your words, you could shred someone's self-worth. You can hurt him or hurt her so deeply that something inside of them dies. No matter what you say later, you can never remove what you just said. So my encouragement to you is never bring up something negative that can't be changed. Because your words will echo for years to come. There are things that could kill your marriage. Watch yourself. Why, what is it what I want? And why am I killing? Some of you, you've killed or almost killed relationships because you didn't get what you want. So you try to criticize them into submission. You try to shame them into doing your bidding. You belittle them. You did this because of something you wanted and they would not or they could not give it to you. Think about your kids for a moment. How much belittling goes on there? How much negativity is in your house that occurs when we we don't say the words... How can I help? What can I do? Otherwise, your relationship with your kids are super negative. Even with your wife, are super negative. What can I do to help? What can I do? They would not, or they could not, or they cannot give it to you. So what happens? The beast comes out of his lair and says, Hey! I want something from you. And I'm not getting it. And we go totally bully mode. Because we want it. And we're going to get it. This way my dad dealt with issues. And I, it was effective. Let me tell you. Sometimes what we saw growing up. But what you saw growing up may have not been effective. Ask, ask yourself, how happy was my childhood? I didn't look forward to my dad coming home. We ran for the hills. We ran. We even ran to mom who was always yelling at us and throwing stuff at us. <laughs> You covet. You're intensely focused on one thing. You ever get, you ever get like focused on one? It's just one thing. But everything else is great, but it's that one thing. It's that curly. It's that one thing. We are so focused on it. But you cannot get what you want in your family. You know the funny thing about self? 
I shouldn't say funny. The most the sad thing about self, it's never satisfied. Self has an unquenchable thirst. There's not enough stuff to quench it. Whether it's relationships, whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's stuff, buying stuff, shopping on Craigslist, whatever it is, it is unquenchable. And self has a hard time saying, I'm done. And the more you feed that appetite, the more it grows in intensity. Our desire and pleasures are not best dealt with through an attempt to satisfy them. So Marty talked about self-denial. Suffering. It's an endless attempt to satisfy our wishes and desires. But the result becomes war. War. We said, war is good because I want this done. Self's natural tendency is to squeeze the happiness out of people closest to us. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to squeeze Karen's joy out of her life. I've done it. Because I wanted to satisfy my pleasures, my desires, what I wanted done. And so I start to squeeze. It's like Nacho Libre hug. When he hugs him, he goes, squeeze. And the guy's like, he's giving him the squeeze. I squeeze Karen so much where all the joy is just oozing out of her. So we go right to back where we began. So you quarrel and you fight. Siblings fight with one another. There's elbows to the back when mom's not looking. There's pulling of the hair. There's kicking the Achilles tendon. Flat tires galore. There's pushing, shoving, throwing water and ice into the shirt and acting like as if nothing happened. Then you got to be police officer. What happened? Separate them. What's the story? What's the story? Do they match? What's going on? It's war out there. So let's confess. Let's confess the problem. Is we are not getting what we want. That's the problem. We're not getting what we want. In the middle of an argument, look look at your wife, look at your husband, look at your kids, square in the eye and say, you know what the part of the problem is here? I am not getting what I want. Imagine you stopping and saying that. You know what? I know the problem. I'm not getting what I want. That is the problem. Sometimes in marriage camp counseling, I ask couples to self-examine their part of the problem. Because it takes two to tango. So if one part would just take ownership of their part, in marriage counseling, I always say, hey, Don't say you, say I. I experienced, I felt. This is what I think versus you. You! You, sir! It's a big difference. Objection to that, Gio. My husband vowed he wouldn't do that again. So I must have a fight. My boss signed a contract. My roommate swore he wouldn't leave dishes in the sink. 
Let me rephrase it. I want what I was promised and I'm not getting what I want. When we were married, you said this. Look at the DVD player. Look what you said. You said you would make me the happiest woman in the world. And we're like, I said that? Watch your wedding video. Look what you promised your spouse. And the women are like, yeah, tell him. Well, remember, you promised to be humble and submissive and, and cooperative. He can say the same thing. He's like, I'm not getting what I want. The only person you can ever change in your marriage is you. And we want to tinker with our spouse. I'm not getting what I want, so I'm going to tinker. I'm going to fix this person. Karen has fixed me in some ways. To some degree, I've been fixed. I'm a recovering new hand washer. I rarely wash my hands growing up. High school, college, I rarely wash them. I mean, I wasn't reading articles on bacteria. I wasn't studying, you know, Ebola. I wasn't studying anything. I was just happy-go-lucky. I would eat food. I'd lick my fingers. I'd look clean and move on. I got married. I got married. I feel like I'm OCD. Everything's washed, scrubbed every time. I go outside. I go inside. I touch my stone. Wash. I go to the fridge. Oh, how many people touch this fridge? Gotta wash. Gotta wash. I know the obvious. I do wash my hands after I pick up dog poop. I know the obvious. But I don't know the other things. I'm a recovering lack of hand washer. And I wash my hands like four or five times a day now. It's weird. And now I'm thinking like, who touched this microphone stand? With their hands on it. And what are they carrying? Strange, but Karen has, Karen has altered my, my future by pointing out that I don't wash my hands. The, the upside in not washing your hands is I rarely ever get sick. I get sick once every five years because I sucked in so much bad bacteria in my body. I was like, oh, hello, darkness, my old friend. Come on in. It's in there. It's in there. I rarely get sick. My body's ingested nasty stuff. My problem is that I'm not getting what I deserve. That's due me. That was promised to me. Or they say, well, you're not being fair. He or she is not being fair. I want what's fair, and I'm not getting what I want. But come on. Our number one concern is not fairness. How upset do we get about other people being treated fairly? How much emotion do we expend? And we like to play the fairness card when we aren't being treated fairly. My kids do it all the time. All the time. You know, ever go into a parking spot where it's crowded? I've never pounded the steering wheel when I got the good one. The good right there, front row parking. I've never like, man, I'm ticked off that guy. It was totally unfair for that guy. Totally unfair for all these people that didn't get this prime spot parking. Man, I'm so angry. It's just unfair. And I get in the car. I'm sorry, it's unfair to you that I have this. I don't do that. I just roll up in there and say, Oh, I was blessed by the Lord. I said, Oh, I'm a real disciple. That's why God, God saw me. They're not disciples, so God saw me. I get all crazy. How did I get this spot? 
So what are we supposed to do? Well, if you're not a Christian, I don't know what you're supposed to do. You can just stay mad, I guess. If you're a Christian, here's what you're supposed to do. Let's go to the next one. You do not have because you do not ask God. Before you go roaring down the hallway of your house or fire off that email or give them a piece of your mind or sulk away or start your litigation process, have you taken this to God? Have you, have you spent any time trying to get to the root of what it is really what you want? What do you really want? Well, you want a happy marriage? Are you trying to squeeze it out of your spouse? You want your kids to be happy? You're trying to force them to be maybe something they're not? You want your wife to be humble or your husband to lead and he or she isn't? You want parents who are thoughtful and don't get too involved in your life? But they are. Have you paused to discover what you are trying to squeeze out of your family members? And have you taken that to God first? First. Have you done that? And have you ever poured out your hearts to God in heaven? Not just prayed, but pouring out your heart is something different. Some of we just pray, we know to pray, we adore, we confess, we thank God, we ask God. I'm talking pour out, or the, the ACTS, doesn't even matter. Get out of the way. I got something to say to the Lord. Pouring it out. And you're just gushing it out. Do you do that with the same emotion? With, which, with what you're frustrated about in your family? Do you go to God first? Or do you just have your little simple prayer? I had a quiet time, so now I have the right to say something what I want to say. I had a QT. Read Ezekiel and I prayed and I'm going to let you have it now. Right? That's what we get sometimes. Because we know they're going to ask me, how's your relationship with God? Well, I had a quiet time. Check. Next. Litigator. See, if you're, if you're having your quiet times and you're acting like a fool, that makes you a Pharisee. Not a Christian. You want to fall back on your quiet times and having no effect on your life? You're a bona fide Pharisee. You're coming to church with tassels. People around you know your life. Your kids know. Your, uh, your wife knows. Your husband knows. You can't fool them. You can fool us when you come to church. You can fool us all. Hey, everything's going great. Happy squeezing. Baby. Hug, 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 hug. But your family knows. They know. Your concerns are important to God. Because the reason why is you're important to God. That's why He wants to know. Whether it's dating, whether it's love, whether it's lust, whether it's loneliness, whether it's jobs, whether it's parents, whether it's roommates, God wants to know because He cares. He says, let me know. You don't ask, ask God, ask me. I'll tell you, if you do that, it takes the, it takes the edge off the conversation. Karen gets away and we start fighting. Karen will go off and pray. I'm over, I'm over there sulking. And Karen's over there, she's praying. And then we re-engage, and the conversation is, is like, it's like 
We start it over again, but it's much more pleasant. I sulk and I pray and I go, what happened, God? What am I doing? And she's out praying, I'm out praying, we come back together. And the conversation, it's not edgy anymore. It takes the edge off. Have you taken this to God? When you ask, you do not, you, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pl- pleasures. Literally, it means you, to use up, to wear out, fulfilling your own desires. It may be God's will not to give us something that will lead us down a harmful path. And we need to learn to take no for an answer from God. With my kids, I call it vitamin N. It's vitamin no. No. You've been on the computer long enough. No. Can I hang out? No, you cannot. No. And then my kids were at the store and says, Dad, that kid over there, he's and he's processing it. He's like, he understands it. When you get no, you're trying, you, you can't satisfy the self. See, sometimes parents make this mistake by giving their kids everything. It's, it's insatiable. It's unquenchable. They need more no's than yes. But here's a question. If there's no guarantee God is going to give it to us, why go to God? Why bother? Because as long as you're trying to squeeze out of, out of your family what's not there, our happiness is not there. We're not going to get what we want. God will give us no. Either they cannot or would not give you something. God is trying to teach you something. Yes, there is a time to talk about all this and all the conflicts. But afterwards, we have to surrender the issue to God in heaven. We have to surrender these issues to God. Because if God is truly in charge, if He's truly sovereign, if you truly believe that, why not let it rest on His hands? Too many times, we take the matter into our own hands. And we kill our relationships. And we hurt people. You think God doesn't notice? He says He knows every numbered hair on your head. Yeah, even for the guys who are balding. He has an accurate count. He has named every star. He counts them. He knows them by name. You know how many stars there are? Good grief. Billions and billions and just in our sub-neighborhood of our galaxy. He knows all of that. And you believe that. And so when you take up your concerns to God and He says no, do you trust that? He knows what's best for me. He knows me. He cares about me. But do we trust Him? Or do we want to just go, we just want to say I prayed, I say I asked, and then I'm going to get what I want anyway. doesn't work. It doesn't work. The tone of our conversations will change completely. And relationally speaking, the best defense is no defense. Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? When He was accused, He said nothing. He said absolutely nothing. To the great amazement of Pontius Pilate, He said nothing in His defense of a mock trial. Didn't speak at once. Paul the Apostle went on trial and no disciple came to his aid. He said, you know what? But the Lord is with me. 
standing right next to me. He was with me. And no one came to his aid. He says, God was there. That's the kind of relationship I want you to have with God. You don't get what you want? If this is not, not, not the time, it's not the time. God knows. So let's recap. The source of our external conflict is an undetected internal conflict that is raging out of control. Our willingness to acknowledge this could revolutionize our relationships. The external is a symptom of the internal. And it will enable us to quit blaming others for our unhappiness and our discontentment. And it may be the thing that enables us to surrender ourselves to the one who knows what's best for us. It may well be. Surrendering things to God may just be the answer you've been waiting to hear. Not really, but here it is. Who is suffering in your life because you're not getting your way? Who is suffering? What happened? Or what would happen if you were to say to him or or her, I'm sorry, it's not your fault. The problem is that I'm not getting my way. And that we just have to confess with it with our spouses. It's not your fault. I'm just not getting what I want. See the beast? See what it looks like? You see how to how to have victory? The problem's not you, Karen. It's just I'm not getting what I want. I just want to be left alone, have a beer in my hand, and watch my favorite show. That's what I really want. I don't really want to dust. I don't want to clean. I don't want to help. I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit back and act like no one's alive. That's, that's, that's what I want to do. I mean, can you guys, can you relate? Can you help me out? Can you throw me a bone, guys? Can you throw me a bone? That's, that's honestly what I want to do. I want to sit on the couch, have a nice cold brew, and just chillax. Just let me be for three hours watching my history channel. And I will love you like no other. Vitamin N. Vitamin N. I'm sorry, it's not your fault. The problem is I'm not getting what I want. And then your spouse would say, I knew that. See, they know. They know. Don't you think they'd breathe a sigh of relief if you just kind of admitted you're not getting what you wanted? Maybe you'll get understanding. Maybe like, maybe he needs that little time to himself to unwind. Maybe he needs that. Some of us, some of us we go to like PlayStation 3, we're like, let's play some video games. And it's like 3 o'clock or 5 o'clock. And then you put the paddle down, it's like 11 o'clock. Like, what happened? Our kids do that. My son, he swears to me, I was on there five minutes. No, you were on there five hours. Yeah. I documented it this time. He tells me five minutes. I'm like, I'm going to dock with And I just write a little note to myself. Time started. Hey, you got time to get off. Dad, I was just on here three minutes ago. No, you've been on there for 49 minutes, actually. And I promised you 10. Yeah, yeah there's a little war going on with our kids right now in Minecraft. Oh, yeah. It's a battle. 
If you know my kids, you know who I'm talking about. It's a battle. So here, here's what I want you to do. Here's the, here's the takeaway. I want you, because it's time to apologize and make it a habit of taking your unmet expectations to the only one who can do anything about them. And that person is God. It is not your spouse. It is God. He will, he will hear your unmet expectations and He will respond accordingly. So have your ears open. Because you can't always get what you want. But God will always give you what you need. And that is grace and that is mercy. And He will give you that in abundance. That's the vitamin Y that I love about God. So I want you to join us next week we talk about how to fix some of our family challenges. Take care.